0: Good morning, everybody. How are you? Want you look at your neighbor and say, "Man, the Lord sure does love you." It's good and crowded in here this morning. Anybody doesn't have any seats, there's a few up here. Um, Amen. (laughs) Glad to have you guys this morning. We're going to go ahead and jump right into it. i think that i would be remiss if i didn't if i didn't speak about what's kinda going on in the world today we had a sermon series going but i just felt led of the lord to to address some of the issues that are going on in our world today I don't know how you feel about like end times, but I I get messages from people and they tell me things like, you know, when it comes to things like the end of time and the end times or biblical prophecy, they say, man, I just get scared to death. Like when I think about it, I could throw up and I just, every time this stuff starts happening, I enter into fear. And here's one thing that, that Christians should understand is that there is nothing that happens in this world that should ever bring us into a place of fear. Because we are children of God, and at the end of the book, I don't know if you've read it or not, but we're overcomers, and we are victorious. And so we're waiting on our king to return and set up his eternal kingdom and so here's what I want to do this morning I want to go through biblically I know a lot of things are happening in Israel I guess you'd have to hide under a rock to not know that at this point I'm not a very good news watcher so last week I had a bunch of people on uh, Sunday say hey what do you think about what's going on in Israel and to be honest with you I didn't know much because I hardly watched the news but I dove into it a little bit more because I want to be aware of what's going on in the world I think it's important to, to be aware I like to be connected while also being disconnected at times if you know what I mean but the more that I've I, I, I've dove into it this week I, I felt led of the Holy spirit to address some of these things what do we see from a biblical perspective what's going on in, the, in our world and what does that mean for us right now how should we look at what is actually taking place and so what I want to talk to you about specifically from scripture is Israel and the prophetic clock okay so it should be interesting doesn't it look like a spooky little thing that I made back there y'all like man this is gonna be we're gonna wig out put our 10 10 full hats on let's get ready Amen. Aliens are invading. No. Uh, let, let's pray together over this. Father, we thank you so much for your, for your spirit, for your presence. And we thank you that no matter where we go, we can't flee from your presence. And God, nothing can separate us from your love because we are your children. And so I pray that this morning, even as we unpack words that may be difficult for us to understand, Lord God, that you would give us a peace and an understanding that comes from the Spirit alone. And that we could open our eyes to see the world we live in, the time we live in, so that we could apply our hearts to wisdom. And that ultimately, God, we could live to honor and glorify your name. And you'd fill us with your spirit to accomplish the mission that you have for us with what little time we may have left. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So if you look at Bible prophecy... There are, now people will argue different points of this, but if you look at Bible prophecy, uh, there's one guy that wrote a book called Every Prophecy of the Bible, and he argues that there's about a thousand prophecies in the Bible, and just over half of those have been fulfilled. Uh, other people say, well, no, there's about 1,817 specific biblical prophecies in the Bible and just over half have been fulfilled there's about 800 left that need to be fulfilled but the most important and central prophetic word throughout the Bible actually that is repeated over and over again more than any other prophecy is actually the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom that he establishes in the end and so that's the that's the most prominent prophecy throughout scripture it is, it is the most uh, spoken prophecy throughout scripture matter of fact 30% of the Bible that we have Is prophecy or things to come, and most of that has to do with the time we're living in now and the second coming of Christ and the end itself. Now, 329 times in the Bible, the return of Jesus is mentioned and prophesied and and referred to. 216 chapters in the New Testament have the return of Jesus in them, and uh, in those, the return of Jesus is mentioned 318 times. Literally, if you read the New Testament, one out of every 30 verses refers to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I don't know if you realize this or not, it's pretty important. Now, what happened is, you know, throughout church history, every time there has been per- persecution of the church, which, believe it or not, has been more throughout, ch- throughout the age of the church than it has been less, we live in a unique time here in America where we don't experience persecution and we haven't experienced persecution. So our theology tends to focus much, much more on what God can do for us in the here and now rather than a cry from the heart that says, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need our salvation. We need you to establish your kingdom. So we think differently about these things. We feel peace. We feel comfort comfort, and we have been blessed. But can I tell you that throughout church history, the church has been persecuted and even in our world today, many nations, Nations are still persecuted and many people are having church services today underground hiding from people that would love to kill them. Amen. And so we always have to keep that in our mind and understand that our world is at war. There's a spiritual warfare going on but the second coming of Jesus is something that the church must be focused on. Now the only one who can foretell the future is the one who lives outside of it. God matter of fact, Einstein's theory of relativity proves that time and space are created things. And that God created time, space, and matter, but He exists outside of time and space. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The reason He can prophesy through Scripture in great detail what is going to happen in the future is because He Himself stands outside of time and sees all moments throughout world history as if they were all happening at once. He sees the beginning from the end he sees the end from the beginning and all of these things he has already foreknown and foreseen but yet he deals with us as human beings who are a part of time and so he deals with us relationally within the realm of time somebody said my mind just bled Um, (laughs) But that's who God is he is above all he is all powerful and he is sovereign and he sees things before they even happen he knows all things and this is why we have the prophetic word of Scripture to point us to certain things and he sees this and our God is the only true God and prophecy actually in my mind proves that the Bible is accurate and true so many people want to disagree with Scripture but you cannot deny that you've got at least 500 specific prophecies in Scripture that have come to pass exactly as they were spoken. And and the the ability for that to happen, you'd have to win the lottery about 700 times, okay? Like, it's just something that is not going to happen unless it was God himself behind it. And so, back in the day, there were some people who started something called the Doomsday Clock. And they were atomic scientists. And every year, they update how much time they think it is to midnight. And they base it on this. They base it on, okay, there's all this uh, nuclear war and uh, uh, atomic bombs and and the pro- pro- proliferation of, of nuclear warheads and stuff like that. And so the more that they see war and the more that they see these things going on in the world, they say, well, we're getting closer to midnight. And from the secular perspective, they're saying the end of the world, like the world explodes, it blows up, it's wiped out, and we're over. Can I tell you that the biblical perspective is that this world in essence it comes to an end but the world itself is without end when jesus returns he returns to a world that is not completely blown up and destroyed he returns to a world that he renews and renovates and makes all things new so the world will not be destroyed by an atomic bomb because jesus will return before those things happen nevertheless i believe they said at the beginning january they said on the doomsday clock that we're 90 seconds to midnight they're saying that's how close we are. They think, set from a secular perspective, leaving the Bible out, they say we're 90 seconds to midnight. If you look at world history and what's happening, and today we, we're, about, we're at 90 seconds to the end of this thing and when it wraps up, because at any time somebody could drop a bomb that just, that just messes this thing up and say, Clay, I don't want to hear that this morning. Tell me how good things are going to be. Praise God. But see, I want to look at it not from a secular perspective. I want to look at it from a biblical perspective. And people say, well, why is Israel even important? Because Israel, I don't know if you realize this or not, guess what? Jesus was born in Israel. All of the prophetic promises came to who? israel beginning with abraham who had a son named isaac who had a son named jacob whose name became israel who became a nation who through that nation the promised messiah would come and from that place the word of god would go forth and all of the gentiles and even you and i could be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and so israel is still important in human history even though is even israel even jewish people jesus christ is the only way to salvation amen But we need to go through this and let's look at prophetic fulfillment just from 1948 until the current. Because if you go back, here's what's interesting. If you go back just to 1943, there's a whole lot of prophecy that has just been fulfilled from the mid-1940s up until current. You go back past before 1940, a lot of those biblical prophecies that we're talking about had not yet been fulfilled. And so we're looking at the prophetic time clock and seeing what things have been fulfilled and how does that point us to where we are currently at. Now, in the late 1800s, some Jews were being heavily persecuted. They were coming back to waves into what was, at that time, Palestine. That's why you see the war over there between Palestinians and Israelis right now because there's a war over that ground. Now, they weren't very accommodating. They hated them, right? They didn't want them coming back to... Palestine but they were coming nevertheless and there was a guy named Theodore Herzl who pushed uh, for the nation of Israel to have a homeland and here's one of the first things that was prophesied that shows us that we're moving in that direction and that is the revival of the Hebrew language now Eliezer Ben Yehuda in the early 1900's revived the Hebrew language and you say why is that important because I don't know if you re- recognize this or not but Israel in AD 70 was destroyed by the Roman Empire For 1,900 years, they were not a nation. All of the Jewish people were scattered all the way throughout the earth and then all of a sudden in the late 1800s they were being persecuted everywhere that they were and all of a sudden they were starting to come back to Palestine then. But see, they were just coming back. But guess what? Because they had went into all these other nations and none of them spoke Hebrew, the Hebrew language went into disuse. But God had prophesied in Zephaniah 3.9, for then I will restore to the people's A pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. So when the pure language, Hebrew language started to come back, that was a prophecy being fulfilled that, hey, something is changing. The tides are turning. In Jeremiah 31, 23, Jeremiah prophesied, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, They shall again use this speech in the land of Judah. And in its cities, when I bring back their captivity, the Lord bless you, O home of justice and mountain of holiness. So the Hebrew language had not been used, and all of a sudden, this guy Ben Yehuda, he reforms the language, the people are coming back, they're beginning to speak their home language again, and it sets up the place for the next prophecy for all of the Jews to begin to return to their homeland of Israel. And that's the second prophecy uh, fulfillment that points us to the end as well, is that they were going to be... Be regathered, all of the scattered Jewish people were going to be regathered back into Israel. So the Hebrew language was revived so God could bring the children of Israel back into the land that they were out of. Now, in 1917, the United Kingdom did something called the Balfour Declaration, and they basically got behind them, and they said, we want to, we want to establish a homeland and, 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 and recognize Israel as a nation, and here's what's interesting. Y'all, y'all know Ezekiel 37 about the dry bones, like Pentecostal people and preach the fire out of it, because they're like, you're a bunch of dry bones in the valley, bless God, and you're going to come, you know, and I, I, I like that, you know what I'm saying, I preach that maybe next Sunday. Uh, but actually, that, and that's good preaching. I'm good with that. But Ezekiel 37 on, on, on historical value as you read it and interpret, uh, interpret it as it's, as it's written, most scholars would say that it's actually, actually speaking to a time in the end when Israel would be scattered because in the, in the scripture Israel is scattered and they're dead and they're dry bones well this refers what many people would say to the time of the Holocaust because Israel was scattered throughout the nations Very little of them, if any, were in Palestine or Israel. They're scattered throughout the nations. But what happens in the early 1900s, as prophesied by Ezekiel, the bones begin to rattle and they begin to come together because the Hebrew language is being revived. Some of them are starting to head back to Palestine and God prophesied. Those bones would start rattling and they'd start coming together and I'll bring you up out of your graves. And here's what he says in Ezekiel 37, verse 11 through 14. He he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, "Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off." Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the Holocaust, but in the 1940s in World War II, when off Hitler, who I personally believe was an antichrist. We use that word a lot. In First John, he said there are many antichrists that have gone in the world. I think that Satan always has a man. He doesn't know the timing. He's he's he, he he's wise, but he's also very foolish. He doesn't know the timing of these things, but at any given time, he would love to take over control of this world and raise up a man that would destroy Christians and Jews in totality so that he himself could be worshipped in in human form. That's what his desire has been all along. And I think that Adolf Hitler was an antichrist, but I think God is a restrainer. And he said, it's not quite time yet. And he stopped that. But do you realize that when God stopped that, Adolf Hitler had killed six million Jews in concentration camps and other things. Six million. Now, you say, well, I don't know how many people that is. You know how many people there are in the state of Kentucky right now? About four million. That's killing the entire state of Kentucky and then another half of the entire state of Kentucky. That's a lot of human beings. And they murdered all those people and there's this prophecy that even though it seemed like their hope was cut off, God's going to start to cause those bones to rattle and he's going to bring them back up out of their graves and he's going to send them back to their land this was prophesied about. And so Israel is kind of a super sign of the end times and that's why whenever you see uh, things happening in Israel, everybody gets excited and let me say this, everybody has different interpretations and views of the end times. I think personally some of them are very wrong, but at the same time I'll be honest with you, there's so many things in scripture that we cannot fully understand. We need to hold these things lightly and hold tightly to the things that Jesus tells us to hold tightly to. So what I'm teaching you right now is not something that I'm saying, hey, this right here proves this and this proves this and this means jesus is coming back at this time nobody knows that day or hour we could have another day we could have a thousand more years i'm not exactly sure but i think it's important based on scripture that we should know these things and pay attention to what is happening because god gave us this word for a reason amen and so a nation get this from AD 70 when the Romans killed over a million Jews and destroyed Jerusalem outright, and the, and the temple was destroyed until 1948, Israel was not a nation. you got to think about that. Isaiah 11, verse 11 and 12, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again, notice this, the second time to recover the remnant of his people who were left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea, he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And so the third point of, of prophetic p- fulfillment is that Israel became a nation, and this happened on May 14th of 1948, and they had not been a nation for 1,900 years. Now, he actually says a second time. A second time. Now, this is very interesting because when Isaiah is prophesying, they had not even yet been deported the first time into Babylon. So he's prophesying that they're going to be taken captive Into Babylon, and he prophesies it specifically. You're going to be there for 70 years, and when they return from Babylon and take Israel back, do you know where they all returned from? One place, Babylon. That was when they were dispossessed. They came back, they regained Israel. Well, guess what? In AD 70, they were dispossessed again, and it took them 1,900 years to regain Israel this time. But but God says in His Scripture here, a second time they're going to be dispossessed, and even a second time I'm going to bring them back, not just from Babylon but from all the nations of the world. It's a very specific prophecy. You see that? And so he's saying that, and get this, throughout human history, there has never been a nation that has been dispossessed twice and regained itself. Ever. Only Israel. Why? Because God is doing something very specific with Israel. Israel is one of the, Israel's like the size of Connecticut. I don't know if y'all realize. Like it is the smallest little thing in the middle of the Middle East. And there ain't nobody gets tore up over Papua New Guinea or Guam. You know, that stuff don't even show up in the news. Like people don't even care about that. But when something happens in Israel, man, why? Because it is the center of spiritual warfare. It has been prophesied about so much that Satan wants so badly to destroy it because he does not want God's plans to be fulfilled but let me tell you something I don't care how mad Satan gets he cannot thwart the plan of God for this world he cannot thwart the plan of God for your life and we need to be settled in that and strengthened in that because we are overcomers in this hour we've got a God that is for us and if he is for us then who in the world could be against us Isaiah 66 verse 7 and 8 it says before she was in labor she gave birth Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who's heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. See, that's what happened to Israel. Miraculously, they became a nation in one day. They became a nation in one day, and it was prophesied about miraculously, and never before had that happened where a nation had been dispossessed twice. The fourth thing is that, see, they became a nation. Israel became a nation in 1948, but you had Palestinians. Like over there right now, that's what you see. You see Palestinians at war with Israel because even then, that place was filled with Palestinians, and they were fighting over that land. And at that particular time, Jerusalem was not... Not a part of Israel. They had not regained Jerusalem as their nation's capital. Donald Trump, when he was president here just before, he he was one of the first ones to acknowledge uh, completely and fully that Jerusalem was Israel's capital. Uh, and, and and so anyway, in 1967, though something very specific happened, and Jesus actually talked about it a little bit because Jesus, before he died, he prophesied to the people in Israel, and he said, "Look, when after this, he said, I, I've, I've longed to gather you under my wings like a like a hen would gather her chicks, but you've 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 rejected me, and because you've rejected your Messiah, your house is going to be left to you desolate, and and not one stone is going to be left upon another." And he prophesied that the Roman Empire. Jesus died around 33. AD 70 AD Rome comes in and when they come in they absolutely destroy Israel the temple is decimated and they kill about a million Jews Israel ceases to be a nation Jesus prophesied about it in Luke 21 he said when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then know that its desolation is near then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are in the midst of her depart and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. See, that's, that's, that's 70 A.D. specifically. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now what he's saying is is that Jerusalem is going to be not under the ownership and under the governmental leadership of Israel. It's going to be trampled under the foot of Gentiles and Gentiles are going to be basically have... Jerusalem captive until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now they were, became a nation in 1948 and in June of 1967 there was something called the Six Day War and Israel regained Jerusalem once again and get that back and they restored Jerusalem. So when you start to see not only Israel restored as a nation, see Jesus said this and a lot of scholars will say this, he, he had a little bit of a parable, he said as soon as you see the fig tree begin to blossom, he said you know that basically the time is near. And a lot of people will say that Israel, he's referring to Israel as that fig tree. And when you see that fig tree begin to sprout and blossom and become a nation in Jerusalem, uh, he's saying that's when you need to start paying attention. That's when you need to start watching what's going on. And so 1948, 1967, they get back Jerusalem. And then number five, let me give you another one. There there was a ton of these, honestly, as I was studying, and I just had to select a few and try to keep it within the realm of... uh, decency to not kill you guys this morning but number five uh russian jews specifically immigrate to israel in 1988 i'm going just based on timeline in jeremiah 16 verses 14 and 15 it's also in jeremiah 31 he said therefore behold the days are coming says the lord that it shall no more be said the lord lives who brought up the children of israel from the land of egypt but the lord lives who brought the children of israel from the land of the north and from all the all the lands, see, do you remember God brought brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea. This prophecy says no longer will God just be known as a God who brought them out of Egypt, but He's going to be known as a God who brought them out of the north country, and and He says. The land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them, for I will bring them back into the land which I gave to their fathers. Now, the Soviet Union and the Iron Curtain fell in 1989, and since 1989, 1.7 million Jews have returned to Israel, specifically from Russia. Amen. Fulfillment of prophecy. Now, there, you know, some Bible scholars, I got this. That's a terrible map, isn't it? You see at the bottom of it, Google. I mean, sometimes it's good for you, sometimes it ain't. That just made me look bad this morning. you got Israel down there directly north of Israel. This is why a lot of scholars say that Russia is the north country because Moscow is directly north of Jerusalem. And and so a lot of scholars will say that. Do do I know for certain? You better believe I don't know. There's so many things in this that I don't know. I'm just trying to teach it uh, the best that I can to help give us an understanding. And so, but here's the thing. That being said, you can take that ugly ugly map down. (coughs) That being said, Israel is currently at war, as as you all know. You say, well, I don't really want to think about that, Clay. But here's the thing. When things do happen in the world, we should not tuck our heads and hide. We should not say, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to think about that. We should be able to discernfully receive any information that is happening in the world and be prayerful about it and respond with sobriety and respond with biblical knowledge and have even answers for those who are questioning things. Because when these things happen, do you know what happens? God starts to draw people's hearts. They, they look at the condition of the world and they say, man, there's got to be something beyond this. What's going on in the world? Is it just going to crumble and end? Or is there any hope whatsoever? And we can emphatically say, yes, there is a hope. And His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's come to save you from, from, from your sins. And there is a promise that no matter how bad it gets and no matter how many wars go on and no matter how many pestilence break out, Jesus Christ is returning to take His children to Himself and restore an eternal kingdom. And you can have that. And that's the promise, that's the hope that we offer as Christian people. But Israel is at war, and here's what's interesting: if 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 you saw what's going on, it, they're at war with a, a group called Hamas, which is an Islamic militant group. And I don't know if you if you know what happened, and but but. They killed about 1,300 Israeli, uh, Israelis and some people would even argue that they, didn't even, they don't even have the idea that they could possibly beat the Israelis, but there's more going on because Hamas is funded by a nation called Iran. And that'll make more sense whenever we get into this. But as, as I was studying this, they, they go in, they, they raped women, they took hostages, they beheaded babies. I mean, they did some horrific violent things, and they didn't do it against the military of Israel. They did it against the civilians. They did it against women and children. They took people hostage so they could hide behind them. Now, if you are a Hebrew Bible scholar, now this right here is just me just showing you something interesting. I'm not saying anything, like, don't take this as like, oh, well, my pastor said this. I'm just saying this is interesting, okay? As a Hebrew Bible scholar, like, if if you study the Hebrew language, you know Hamas is an acronym. Okay? Hamas stands for the name of, of the militant group that attacked Israel. But if you, if you know the Hebrew language, you know that Hamas is a Hebrew word. Now, I want to show you the four places in the Bible that Hamas is in Hebrew. I want to show you this. This is interesting to me. Genesis 6:11. it says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Hamas. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh, had corrupted their way on the earth. That is the time of Noah when God was about to destroy the earth because the whole earth was filled with what? Hamas. Interesting. I don't know if y'all think it's as interesting as I do. Psalm 716, his trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing, Hamas, shall come down on his own crown. In other words, those who cause Hamas will bring Hamas upon themselves. Ezekiel 7.11 says violence, or Hamas, has risen up into a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain, none of their multitude, none of them, nor shall there be wailing for them. Habakkuk 1.3, Why do you make me look at injustice? He's crying out to God. God, why are are you doing this? Why do you tolerate (coughs) wrongdoing? Hamas. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. So I just find that interesting, and I find it interesting that in Scripture you find little nuggets and little secrets sometimes where things are hidden. But can I tell you this, that Islam is not, let me say this, Islam is a false religion, okay? And, and, and in, in, our, in, our, in our world today, secular society, tolerance is, is, is pushed to the forefront as one of the uh, supreme and superior virtues. But here's the thing about Christians is you can't tolerate evil. And you can't tolerate a false religion. Now, does that mean that we, 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 we don't hate Muslims? We want Muslims to be saved. Matter of fact, Muslims are being saved by, in the droves. Jesus is revealing himself to Muslims and Muslims and nations all over the place. He's revealing himself to many Muslims by dreams. But at the same time, you've got to understand that, that Islam is a false religion. They do not worship, nor do they believe in a God that is even remotely similar to the God that we believe in. And that's important to understand because they believe in worldwide jihad. Our goal is ultimately that we die peaceably. We're willing to lay down our lives for the cause of Christ. And we believe that one day Christ will return and vanquish our enemies and He will establish His kingdom. Their end times belief is that they should rise up in war and kill every infidel until Allah rules the entire world. It's a different worldview. You can't say we worship the same God. You can't say that all these paths lead to the same God. They are different mentalities. They are different worldviews. They are different values. They are different teachings. They are different texts. Amen. Agree with me on that? All right. But nothing takes God by surprise. There was an Iranian leader (coughs) recently that said, We stand by the Palestinian fighters until the liberation of Palestine and Jerusalem is completed. And one leader in Iran said, Is it possible for us to witness a world without America and Zionism? But you had best know that this goal is altogether attainable and surely can be achieved because the regime that is occupying Jerusalem must be wiped off the map. Now, the the people called the uh, Ayatollah in Iran, they call Israel the little Satan, they call America the great Satan. You understand that? What is confounding is that Our president, and this is not like, I'm not trying to make a political message. Okay, I'm just trying to point out some things. Y'all good? Obama, when he was in office, he sent $1.2 billion in cash, son. Like cash, folding bills in a brick. To Iran, the leading supporter of terrorism in the world. He promised them another $100 billion. When Trump came into office, he canceled that. When Biden came back into office, he reinstated that. And not long ago, Biden sent them another $6 billion to Iran. For what purpose? I don't know. I'm not in the inner dealings of this. All I know and understand is that why in the world would you send money to people no matter what they say they may use it for? Ultimately, they are going to fund terrorist groups to do their bidding and they personally hate America and they hate Israel. And you have to begin to understand, well, you know, this is just this, or this No, no, no. This is demonically inspired. These things are demonically inspired and they're moving toward an end time reality that God reveals to us in Scripture that's beginning to unpack. And so they have their own end times theology. Even Muslims believe, I want you to understand this, Muslims believe in Jesus. They just don't believe in Him like you and I do. They don't believe He's the Son of God. They believe He's a prophet. They call Him Asa, the son of Mary. They don't believe He died on the cross they believe that he was just, he ascended into heaven as a man, and that in the end he will come back, and when he comes back, he will hand, he will bow before the twelfth Imam or their Messiah and say the caliphate is yours, and then together they will wage worldwide jihad to destroy every infidel and set up Allah, Allah's reign on the earth. They got a different theology than you and I. I don't know if you realize that or not. Now, am I, am I telling you to hate Muslims? Absolutely not. I'm telling you to pray for Muslims. I'm telling you to preach the gospel. I'm telling you to love them. I'm telling you even if, if need be, be willing to lay down your life so that some of them might be saved. If, the, if it comes to that, I know that we feel so separated from that being over here in America in our safe little cushy lives. But still we need to be aware of the possibilities of what's going on in our world. So the Bible predicted this thousands of years ago. Matter of fact, Zechariah 12, verse 2 through 3, it says, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding people's reeling Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations and all who try to move it will injure themselves in other words he's saying this is like a worldwide anti-semitism and a lot of people are saying a lot of people are saying that Iran has funded this attack by Hamas on Israel because ultimately they want to provoke Israel to do things that make the rest of the world mad at them so that they can garner support to ultimately go against Israel. That's what Iran wants. And there's a worldwide anti-Semitism that's kind of moving. Now, it's interesting to note that the United Nations, which is a weird group of folks... Uh, but, but the United Nations has censured Israel 17 times just in the past handful of years. And every other nation combined, you know how many times they've been censured? Four times. Do you reckon that means that they may not like them near as much? I don't know. I would say so. Am I losing y'all yet? <clears throat> Alright. Amos 9.15, here's how I know that Israel isn't going to lose this war. I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord, your God, but see, just because he 's not going to pull them up from the land does it not mean that it won 't be challenged ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine prophesies specifically after those dry bones rattle and come together, and Israel is established as an eighth nation, and Jerusalem is reestablished. All those bones come together. Then you go into Ezekiel 38. And it says specifically that two two nations, Persia and Magog, will come out against Israel. Now, there's a lot of debate on who that is. We know uh, pretty much that Persia is Iran in modern-day Iran. We know that. So Persia is against Israel. We know that right now today, guess what? Persia, Iran, they're against Israel. They want. They believe that Allah has given them a mandate to wipe Israel off the face of the map. That is their goal. And so... What's interesting, though, about this is it says that Magog, which a lot of biblical scholars say because they come from the north, is actually Russia. Now, for 2,500 years, get this, for 2,500 years, Russia and Persia or Russia and Iran never had a military alliance. Just recently, guess what? They've got a military alliance. Benjamin Netanyahu, the president of Israel, has talked about how he believes it's very spooky to look at the fact that they're trading drones. And even Hamas, they were actually trained by a Russian military agency. Get that. So right, so people are, are, people are saying, okay, so what if that leads to God? and Magog? Will it? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just saying it's interesting, folks. Amen. Amen. Number six, let me go through just a couple more points and then we'll wrap this up. <clears throat> Number six, and this is probably the spookiest one that I've got. I'm not even really sure about it, but I thought, again, it's interesting. Joel 2, 31 through 3:2, the sun shall be turned to into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's speaking about the time when you can come and be saved because of Jesus Christ. You can call upon the name of the Lord in faith and be saved, but he says, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls for, behold, in those days and at that time when I bring the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, when I bring them back, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. So he's saying, I'm gathering all, all the nations back together, and in those days, all these other nations are going to come out against Israel. So most Bible scholars will say, hey, there's an end time event called the Battle of Armageddon where all of the nations come out against Jerusalem and Israel to destroy it, and that is when Jesus splits the eastern sky, sets his feet on the Mount of Olives, sp- Splits it east and west, and he destroys all of the enemies of God, and he takes them away. But he establishes his kingdom on earth, and that's what he's saying. But here's what's interesting: before we get to that, it says the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that comes. And everybody said, "Well, thank God that ain't happened yet, right?" Have y'all ever has the moon just started dripping blood and it just dripped on the earth, or the sun just went black? Now most of us would say no, but other scholars would argue, "Yeah, actually, it has happened." Because it happens in lunar eclipses when they are called blood moons and it happens in solar eclipses which get, get this, guess what? Yesterday, half of the United States, full solar eclipse. I, it turn, in certain areas, it turned to darkness. Amen. Y'all are like, oh my gosh, we got to get out of here, Clay. Is. <laughs> this is getting worse. <laughs> so, but let me just say this and I'm, I'm only speculating, I don't know. I think it's interesting. You talk about blood moons, there have been lunar eclipses or specifically blood moons if you look. There was a guy who did a couple studies. When I, Here's his thing, about it. I'm one of the most skeptical dudes that there are. You bring me a YouTube video, I'm going to be skeptical. You bring me a book with some dude claiming this or claiming that, I'm going to be skeptical. I have to weigh these things in the balance for a long time and process thoughts and view other views before I... So I hold, th- I hold this very lightly, I do. But I still think it's worth noting. But there have been specifically blood moons over the last six years four times in what they call tetrads. In other words, in one year time or or two year sections, they have blood moons two times this year, two times the next year on Jewish holy days. Like it's, it's happened four times in the last... 600 years the first time that it happened was 1492 and 1493 there were four blood moons on the feast of passover and tabernacles and what was interesting about that is during that time is that the jews were expelled from spain by queen or or by king ferdinand and queen isabella and they were expelled from spain 1492 1493 christopher columbus believe it or not he was a jew And he was actually a Murano. He posed as a Catholic so that he wouldn't be persecuted. But when he came to America, he was looking for a land for the Jews to be free. And interestingly enough, the safest place for Jews throughout world history has been America. Israel has not even been the safest place for Jews throughout world history. America has been. And and so... So that's why you see a lot of Jewish people that lived here. And the second one was, get this, you had 1492, 1493. The second one was in 1949, 1950. You had four blood moons on Jewish holy days. And guess what? Israel became a nation in 1948, but they did not establish their government until 1949 and 1950. And it was almost as if it was a sign in the sky to say, this was my doing. God saying, this was my doing. Again, it happened... uh, uh, Four blood moons on Jewish holy days, 1967, 1968. I just told you what happened in 1967. What happened? Jerusalem was recaptured by Israel. And then the last one that happened was 2014 and 2015 and there were four blood moons on Jewish holy days and I got to look and I was like well what is this what even significant happened in 2014-2015 and what one guy argues is that in 2014-2015 you can look at the templeinstitute.org but in 2014-2015 all of a sudden there was an increase like people are going to the wailing wall where the, where the temple was, was, was destroyed so he's saying it started basically with God starting to move the, is, the Jewish people back to Israel and then he restored their land and then he restored their city and now he's wanting to restore the temple now biblically I don't even know if you have to have a physical restored temple for the end times to come I don't know if that's a reality but a lot of people believe that it is and right now they're currently talking about building the third temple to to restore sacrifices and get this there have been nine, I read this just yesterday didn't know about this before there have been nine red heifers in all of, of Jewish history and the Jewish people believe that the tenth red heifer will usher in the Messiah and they believe that they have to have a pure red heifer to sprinkle its ashes on the temple mount before they can rebuild the temple Well, guess what? They've got five pure red heifers right now, they said, in Israel that they have to watch for two and a half years to make sure that they don't get a white hair or anything and that they're pure. But they believe that if one is pure, that they're going to sprinkle that and they're going to begin the rebuilding of the third temple. I just think it's interesting. The next set of four blood moons won't happen for another 600 years. Interesting. Number seven, my last one. And I, and I just think this is something that, again, I've used the word interesting a lot. But Number seven, travel and knowledge increase. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, it says, At that time, Michael shall stand up. Michael is an archangel who over, oversees Israel. And it says, The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, that's us, we're written in the Lamb's book of life. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I want you to understand that our our main goal as Christians still yet is not to be YouTubing all the weird stuff that's happening in the world. Amen. Our main goal as Christians is to turn as many people as we can to Jesus Christ. We're not to be caught up in as much weird, scary, spooky, odd stuff as we possibly can. We are to be aware, but if that distracts us from leading many people to righteousness, we have gotten confused and we've lost our way as Christian people. So he says, but you, Daniel... Shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So he's saying, look, seal up the book of these prophecies until the time of the end because a lot of these things are not going to be understood until the time of the end. And in the time of the end, there will be a greater understanding. But he says, knowledge and travel shall increase. Do you know that for the vast majority of human history, the most any person could travel in one day was 20 to 30 miles? And most of our county seats even are 20 to 30 miles apart. Why? Because that was as far as you could travel on horseback or foot. As far as you was going to get in a day's time. In today's world, though, we had planes come in in about the 1920s. And right now, six million people every day fly somewhere on the planet. Six million people every single day are just flying, going here, going there. I mean, in a year's time, I go to Florida, Colorado, you know what I'm saying? I go to these different places. I'm just traveling like crazy. There are people in here. You go to church to a place that's 20, 30 miles away from where you live. We live in a time where people run to and fro. We also live in a time where knowledge is increasing. How many of y'all ever been on chat GPT? You ask that sucker anything, son. He wrote me a song the other day. (coughs) It was a pretty good song. But there's a guy named Buckminster Fuller. He wrote a book in 1982 called The Critical Path. And it says that he describes the knowledge doubling curve, explaining that new knowledge, which has doubled every century. So knowledge has doubled every century, every hundred years until 1900. So from 1800 to 1900, knowledge doubled. But he said now it's estimated that knowledge doubles every 18 months. And the pace of growth is increasing. IBM now says that the building out of the Internet will lead to knowledge doubling every 12 hours. They're saying that what the Internet's actually causing, what Google, and you can ask anything, any question at any time, and you got dudes like uh, Elon Musk wanting to put Neuralink in your brain, like all this knowledge will be available. What used to take 100 years for us to gain that much knowledge will then now take 12 hours. That's insane. He said, many will run to and fro, knowledge shall increase. So you say, all right, Clay, what about all this crazy stuff, man? What about the Antichrist, the Great Tribulation? All these things are going to happen. Who is the Antichrist, Clay? Would you tell us this morning? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm kidding. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of good candidates out there. A lot of good candidates. But we we don't know that. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus, when He spoke in, 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 in the Gospels, when Paul spoke in 2 Thessalonians, when Peter spoke in 2 Peter, they all agree that the reason God delays is for one sole purpose. So that this Gospel of the Kingdom will be preached to all nations. There's one reason why God is delaying, and it's not so we can know a bunch more crazy stuff and be freaked out. It's so that we can continue to carry the gospel into the places that it's not yet been carried. And you say, well, Clay, it's been carried here in Manchester. I bet you it hasn't. There are people right here in our midst that don't truly know the gospel, have never had anybody truly reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, it still needs to go into certain nations and certain tribes, but it needs to hit right here as well. There's a lot of people that Jesus has not yet saved that He wants to save before He splits that eastern sky and returns. And they say, so here's what's interesting because they start to ask about the end times in Acts 1-6. Jesus is raised from the dead. He's conquered death. And I'll be honest with you, with all the biblical prophecy that they knew, I would have asked the same question. If I saw Jesus right now and I had a question I asked, I'd be like, dude, when you setting this up, it's, it's stressful down here. Like, let's, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, You know what I'm saying? I know know these young people like I got lives to live. I'm like, I've had enough. (laughs) I mean, I love life. Don't get me wrong. But I have just a good time with my wife and kid in an eternal established kingdom of peace for eternity. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not something that Christians fear. The day of the Lord is something that Christians sing about and celebrate and are able to go through the most difficult times because they know that it's coming. They know that it's coming. And they cry out, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need You to come. We see that the world's broken and we know that You're going to come and restore it. Acts 1.6 they asked Jesus after He'd been raised from the dead, His disciples gather around, they say. When they come together, they asked Him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That is not a bad question. It's a very good question. You've, dude, you defeated death. We saw you. You were dead. You've been raised from the dead. We know all of the biblical prophecies. Now is now the time that you will just go ahead and restore this thing and get this established and bring eternal peace. Will you do it now, Lord? And you know how Jesus answers them? He, he responds in this way. He says in verse 7, He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world end of the earth in other words what's he saying he's saying you want to see that the kingdom of Israel restored you want to see the kingdom of God restored then do your job occupy till I come be filled with my spirit and go preach the gospel to those around you and if need be go into all the earth to make sure that it happens because we've got one more job Jesus said he said this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the ends of the earth and then the world shall come so we're looking at Israel we're paying attention to biblical prophecy we're waking up but that waking up should not bring us to a place of fear it should bring us to a place of prayer where we come together and we say man it's prophesied about that there's going to be a kingdom of darkness that is growing in the earth but it's also prophesied about that there's going to be a kingdom of God that is expanding and when darkness covers the earth the light and the glory of God is going to rest upon His people and we're going to step into a power that we've never known to take the gospel further than it's ever gone Just because it's getting darker in the world does not mean that the church itself is always getting weaker. There is a remnant of the people of God who are waking up and saying now is the time. We need to get focused. This world we hold lightly. I'm not trying to establish my life and my kingdom here. Mine is there on the other side and with what time I've got, I'm going to live for Jesus. Yes, you know what? If I'm a young person, I'm going to college, but I'm serving Jesus in college. If I'm a young person that ain't got a career, I'm going to plan to get a good job and make good money and do all that stuff, but I'm going to serve Jesus while I'm doing it I'm not quitting anything else I'm planning as if we got a thousand years but I'm living every day as if Jesus is coming today and that's what he's saying that's what he's moving us into amen amen Daniel eleven thirty two. 32 it's kind of an end time prophecy sort of chapter but it says but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action doesn't say the people who know their God will get freaked out it doesn't say that It says they're going to stand firm in whatever comes. And they're going to take action. We occupy until He comes. Hebrews 10.24 Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When you see the day drawing near, He doesn't say go hide in a bunker. He said, when you see the day drawing near, stir up one another to love and good works. Because we still got a work to do. Don't get distracted by what the devil's trying to do. The devil's trying to get you distracted by weird stuff to bring you into a place of fear and immobilize you. And it's time for you to go to the prayer closet and be filled with the power of God and stand firm and take action. And win somebody to the Lord. And say, Jesus is coming back soon, but I'm, I'm going with Him and I want you to go with Him too. Amen. Revelation 22.12 Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to His work. You know, He doesn't give everyone according to their sins because Jesus' blood washes us of all sins. God's grace covers everything that I've done wrong so I don't have to worry about being judged for that because Jesus was judged on the cross. But you know what? I thank God that He covers all my brokenness because I'm broken. But when we do something right, it is significant in the eyes of God. And he says, when I come back for those who turn many to righteousness and they live their life for me and they raise their children well and they teach them about Jesus and they live a a holy life in a wicked world, he said, for those I'm bringing my reward with me. There's a reward on the other side of this, folks. That's what we're living for. I'm not living to see how much wealth I can amass or how big a house I can build or how cool of a pastor I can be or how many good sermons I can preach. I'm living for the reward that Jesus Christ comes and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. And when you are faithful to what God has called you to, when you're faithful to your household, when you're faithful to the people around you and your family, and you do what God calls you on a daily basis, you go to work, you live your life with joy, even when the world's burning and the mountains are falling, people are going to say, man, you got something that I don't have. And you're going to say, let me tell you about Jesus. If the world crumbles, He's going to take me up one day and everything is going to be all right. Amen. Amen. I was done like 30 minutes ago, I feel like. Luke 21, 28, I'm completely done right here. He said, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads. Because your redemption draws nigh. He does not say, be scared to death, go hide somewhere, freak out. He says, when these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Just take a moment right here in the presence of God. I want you to just consider your heart. Just consider your heart where you're at with the Lord. And nobody knows your heart and fullness except God. But I think if you ask the Holy Spirit, He could show you exactly where you are at. And we just want to, we want to be right, we want to be ready. That's one of the things that Jesus said about the end times. He said, watch and be ready. Make sure you're ready. And so, if you're ready, then praise God. God's called you on a mission in this hour. But if you're not ready, you've not given your life to Jesus. He loves you so much that He died for you. And if that's you this morning, just as an act of faith, I I want you to take a step of faith just by raising your hand and saying, that's me, I need to come to Jesus this morning. I need to give my life completely to Him. I want to be ready when He returns. If that's you, would you just raise your hand just between me, you, and the Lord? I see hands going up all over the place here this morning. Anybody else? Over here? See, just as an act of faith, you let it know. Now, here's the thing. Every single one of us, we can take a moment here just to commit our lives to the Lord. Just afresh, even if you're saved, to commit our lives to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, we just come to you right now and we pray, Father, God, that you would forgive us of all of our sins and all of our shortcomings and even the times, God, that we've gotten so caught up in this world that is passing away. Lord Jesus, and, and set, put all of our eggs in this basket. But, Lord God, we're a people who are, who are called citizens of heaven And so, Lord, today we repent of our sins. And we ask You to purify us, Lord, and fill us afresh with Your Holy Spirit because You have told us to occupy and do business and accomplish Your work until You come and You return. So help us to fix our eyes on that, Lord Jesus, and fill us each afresh with Your Holy Spirit, God. And for each person that doesn't know You, Holy Spirit, I ask that You draw them with the power that only You can draw them into Your presence and into a place of repentance and into a place of truth where they receive the salvation that only you can bring God. And so do that work in their hearts right now, Lord Jesus, we pray. And for those that raise their hand, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to speak to them. I pray that they confess you as Lord God and that they acknowledge you as the Lord of all creation and as the Lord of their life and that you do a work in their hearts. God, we give you the glory and the honor. Lord, this morning we pray for Israel. Your word says to pray for the peace of Israel. I pray for the salvation of every Palestinian person. Lord God, even though wars are breaking out everywhere and nation is rising against nation and all of these things may be happening, we believe that your gospel is going forth and I believe that Muslims are being saved and Jews are being saved and Gentiles are being saved and there's going to be a great mass revival because people's eyes are opening to this truth that you are returning and that this world is under the influence of the wicked and evil one God but you've called us out of that darkness and into your marvelous light and so God we pray that your peace would come as they fight those battles and fight those wars but that, God that your gospel would go forth Lord give us wisdom help us to understand the times that we are in In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to worship together. If you need prayer, you can come around this altar. We'd love to pray with you if you need prayer for anything. But let's take a moment just to worship together to celebrate this Jesus who saved our souls and has given us the promise of eternal life. He is worthy of our praise, y'all. He is worthy of our praise. He wants to touch your life. He wants to give you peace in your heart. He wants to strengthen you in your mind. He wants to fill you with with His Holy Spirit. So I want you to just respond to Him over these next few moments. Thank you, Lord.